Welcome to It's Sedimentary, my dear, a conversational podcast about all things geology. I'm your host, Ellen. And I'm Jane. What are we talking about today? Well, I just want to start out with some basics. So um, I want to introduce ourselves, explain to you know our audience why we decided to do this podcast. And then we're going to talk about some of our favorite minerals and rocks. And we'll also talk about what a mineral is and what a rock is and why that matters. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellen, why don't you introduce yourself and explain to me uh, who are you? not that i don't already know that's a that's a big question but um (laughs) so my name is ellen i uh, by day i'm a graphic designer and i've always had an interest in in science topics from a sort of popular science perspective and geology now being one of them because of you basically (laughs) oh i didn't mean that in a nice way no (laughs) everybody all in the background and uh I'm Jane. Um, I would also like to point out that we are siblings. We're sisters. So yeah, we're sisters. Y- it will explain a lot of the dynamics of this it's podcast. Probably sound exactly the same. Mm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in school for college, I studied earth science. When I graduated from George Mason University, I had a degree in earth science with a concentration in earth surface processes. Uh, that's just a fancy way, really, of saying geology. And um, except that I was very fortunate I didn't have to go and do field work for six weeks in the middle of nowhere uh, and get big bit by bugs. So, you know, uh, I did field work, but I did it. I did it locally instead of having to, you know, travel far away. So that just made my life a little bit better. But we started this podcast and wanted to give our audience some background and some basic geology topics and then talk about some things that just interested us, you know, just various either anecdotes or you know specific uh case studies in geology or maybe in you know general topics so uh yeah yeah i hope you enjoy it to add on to that we i think after you started studying geology we would go out to places like go to parks or go hiking or talk about certain things that we've seen and you would be able to explain like why from a geological perspective perspective it was like that or what was there or what was happening there and that turned out to be really cool. And I was talking to another friend about this. And then she brought some questions to me to ask you. And that turned out to be an exciting adventure. And I had the idea to that we should bring this to everyone. So hopefully you're here because you're interested in learning a little bit about the world around you. And uh, hopefully we can bring that to you. I do say, I think if I remember correctly, when you brought your friend to me for questions, uh, I believe it involved a Skype meeting. And also, I think I drew a diagram. I don't remember what the diagram was about, but I do I think, I drew, I think I drew a diagram. I think I was talking about dolomite and how that happens, but I, I don't really maybe, remember. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but I've drawn that diagram so many times, I don't know if that's what it was about or if it was something else. <laughs> I should also clarify that, um, although now I am a photogrammetrist as a profession, I did, for a period of time, I taught labs, um, Geology 101 and Geology 102, which are physical geology and historical geology and I really did enjoy it so I'm hoping that you know some of that knowledge will be able to be passed on to you guys and um you know and me especially me (laughs) (laughs) you need it um to to further that to further that I would like to also ask the audience and we'll we'll mention this at the end too but we, we would also like to ask the audience you know for feedback 
if you have questions, we'd happily answer them. We'd love um, to answer them. Absolutely. If, you know, if there's something specific or something specific about, you know, where you live that you've seen or a type of rock you found, you know, you're welcome to send in pictures. I can always, yeah, it's, it's hard um, without touching a rock. Well, that's one of the things I love so much about <laughs> studying geology is that it's very physical. Touching rocks? Yeah. Not licking them. <laughs> I had to warn my class. I told my class the way to get kicked out of class is to lick your rocks. And I told them don't do that. <laughs> But, Sounds um, dangerous. But yeah, it, you know, if you send in a picture, I can try to do my best to help you identify it. If you can give me like a, you know, a general location of where you found it and that sort of thing. I, I can't guarantee that I'll be correct, but I would, I'm more than happy to get questions that way. Or if you have questions about something else, or also if you notice that we say something that's not quite, quite right, we would love to get feedback about that too. And we can correct ourselves. Yes, we can issue corrections. After. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can issue a specific correction. Yeah. Let's put a, we'll put an asterisk uh, into the podcast and uh, <laughs> the whole you know, podcast. Yeah, just the whole podcast. <laughs> um, and then put the footnote in. So yeah, but uh, <laughs> we, we hope to hear from you, even if it is, you know, any sort of feedback, we would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And I'll at the end of our episode, we'll let you know what all our social channels are that you can connect with us on. Yeah, we gotta throw it. We gotta gotta have that social. Gotta have that social media here. Everybody loves an Instagram, right? We we ain't no basic geology. We some high class geology here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are you ready to talk about the topic at hand? The topics at hand. Yes. The basic topics... <laughs> general intro to geology. This is our first episode. Yes, I think. Or it's... intro to rocks and minerals. I, think I guess what's... not just geology. Is all. <laughs> so that's a broad topic. I think what's most important when you meet a new person <laughs> as someone who has a background in geology is to know what is your favorite rock. It's very important to me to know this because <laughs> then I can kind of get a feel about what kind of personality, what am I learning about this person when I know what kind of rock they are? <laughs> do they like this? Do they like this? Do they like this kind of rock? Do they like that kind of rock? Do you like this kind of mineral? You know, our mother one time I was talking to her and I was telling her about my favorite rock, which we'll talk about later. And then she asked me, she was like, she was like, Jane, Jane, ask me what my favorite kind of rock is. And I was like, what's your favorite kind of rock? And she was like, alternative. And I, <laughs> I don't know why I talked to her after that. Probably because she gave birth to us. And I She's guess She's related to us. Yeah, you kind of have to. <laughs> but I was like, I'm about to stop this car that we're driving in and pull over. <laughs> I'm about to just put you out on the street because that was unacceptable. So are you so, saying that rock pun music... As in rock as a genre, puns aren't allowed anymore in this podcast? I, you know, I... I we can like make nice puns, right? I feel like, uh, honestly, I'm actually a big fan of any kind of fun pun, and I would welcome... You can also send us your rock puns. I would happily read them all out. <laughs> There's way too many. It's it's kind of a problem. I feel like rock puns and plaid are like... And also a love of beer are probably the three major things that qualify you as a geologist. Um, I'm not Not even knowing about geology. Just yeah. those three things. Yes, and I'm not much of a beer drinker, but I, I definitely like have the other either. two. So I feel like I'm qualified in those arenas as much as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mentioned rocks, and then I mentioned something called minerals. As geologists, the the term rock is a very generic term, and most people use it interchangeably with any kind of hard substance they find on the ground, um, which is f- fine. You know, it's like I understand. It's you know, you didn't get trained. It, it's totally cool. If you're going to identify something and you want to call it a rock, I'm not going to call you out on it. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to make it my life mission to tell you you're wrong. But as geologists, because we're scientists, we need to be a little more specific about our terminology. Makes sense. So we talk about two major types of substances, uh, solid substances that we find on the Earth's surface and also under the Earth's surface and also in space. What? (laughs) (laughs) They're also in space, too. One of the substances we talk about is called a mineral. Minerals are kind of the 
kind of like the backbone of all rocks uh, that you can find. They're kind of like the equivalent, if you've ever taken a chemistry class, they talk about atoms and how they're the basic substance that builds up everything else. Yes. And then we find about subatomic particles, and then it goes even deeper than that, and then you, you are in upper level, and you were <laughs> regretting your life choices. But uh, <laughs> So we have minerals, which are the, kind of the basic uh, makeup of all substances on Earth. And minerals, we what we define as a mineral versus what we define as a rock, we define a mineral by five basic properties. Okay. We define it as naturally occurring. Okay. So that means not made by humans. Okay. So concrete is not allowed <laughs> or any other, or asphalt. Mm. You know, we'll be looking at geologic formations and we'll see those on the side of the road and we're like, ooh, you know, it's a humanite or whatever. Like we'll give it some dumb name, but it's, you know, it's obviously it's not considered a mineral. The next property is that it's inorganic which means that it's not made up of any animal or plant material. Okay. Um, and it's also not produced from an animal or a plant. And you can take that to mean what you like to take what that means. So like amber is not a mineral? No, amber okay. is not a mineral. Even that's though it's very, hard. That's a perfect example, yes. Even though it's like a solid substance, it's not considered a mineral. Okay. Um, because it's made from it's what? From a tree. Can yes, you? it's from tree yes. sap. It's fossilized tree sap. I was like, wow, why is she asking me for a second? I was like, have I been wrong all this time? No. <laughs> some people may not know that. So you know that, which is really great. But some people yes. may not. So it's nice to uh, to bring it up and remind people. The third property is that minerals are solid at room temperature. Mm -hmm. So I one easy example that a lot of people may or may not think of is mercury. Because mercury it's is, yeah, it's liquid at room temperature at, at um, the Earth's temperature and pressure conditions at the surface. So it's not considered a mineral. Not room temperature on Mars or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean in other, in other instances mercury can solidify. It just means that it's not right. at, you know, normal uh, Earth conditions. And by normal, I mean like where we as humans hang out for the most part. The next property for minerals is that they have a well-defined chemical composition. And that means that we can make a specific chemical formula for them. Hmm. It can have some small substitutions in it, but it's, it's always this particular mineral is always defined by this particular formula. So it's consistent in that way. I was trying to think of an analogy. It's like colors. Colors have a specific, like purple is red plus blue, mm -hmm. but you have like different shades okay. that can be caused by... More blue or more red. Yeah. In mineral senses, we consider them either substitutions or impurities, and they can change a little bit about the chemical composition, but it doesn't... The, the point is that it's purple, you know, like it may have a little bit more blue or a little bit more red, but it's purple. And yeah, and then sometimes it has purple. like glitter in it, like in, <laughs> like in specular uh, hematite inclusion or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah. So um, that's a very and that analogy, that color analogy, is obviously not you know the most correct, but it's kind of a basic. <laughs> it gives it yes. gives you a more basic understanding of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, if you've never taken basic chemistry, we're not gonna we're not gonna dive deep. No, we're not gonna dive deep into chemistry here. I could. I don't want to, but I could. <laughs> but, like, I guess it's important to understand that, like, the reason that minerals look and are shaped the way they do is because of the chemical structure. And so it having a definite structure is important, obviously. I'm so glad you bring it up because the fifth property, <laughs> the fifth property of minerals is that they have a, de a definite atomic order. Okay. So that means uh, that they have... Most of the times what we see this represented as, as is that the minerals are crystalline. So they have um, specific crystal types and that they fall into. They, they, we can categorize them um, into what their crystal structures look like. But the reason that they have these crystal structures is because they're made up of specific 
a specific chemical composition. And the atoms in that chemical composition, the elements, try to arrange themselves in the most compact way they can, in the most mm-hmm. comfortable way that they can. And that internal chemical composition is reflected in the external crystal shape that you get for the minerals. So you're saying like the three-dimensional shape is based off of like the atomic structure? Absolutely. It's absolutely okay. defined by the at the atomic level hmm. and is reflected physically once we see it at, at human eye scale and not at tiny, tiny, tiny scale. So I guess the reason it's important that like there's these two, not just that there's the same, that there's a specific chemical composition and not that there's just a specific um, atomic, like, order. atomic order because like a mineral could have the same chemical composition, but then have a different atomic order and therefore look different. Correct. Yes. Okay. That's why it makes a difference. Although it's, I think that's, that's extremely rare. I can't even think of a specific instance that that occurs, but I'm sure there is one. I don't want to say there isn't. I don't know why there wouldn't be that like specific definition if there wasn't, but. When yeah. I was in school, there were over 4,000 minerals that were uh, properly defined. And now there's mm-hmm. over 5,000. Wow, so, really? Yes. Oh. Um, that I know of. So Is that just because like technology makes it easier to identify them or something? Or There's actually still minerals that we're discovering to this day. Um, it's wow. not that they're not as, uh, we're not as uh, as great detectives as we think we are. We think we've found every <laughs> substance on the earth, but we absolutely have not. So yeah. even to this day, some, some of these minerals seem like others but when you analyze them under more advanced techniques that haven't been developed until later in you know until you know the 21st century you would think that it's the same mineral all throughout Mm. you know one big rock section but you may find like two different kinds of minerals or something like that where it because of how the chemical composition is you know that they're two different minerals and there's ways that we can analyze that Hmm. you know also i just we're not humans are not as slick or as sly as they think they are the earth (laughs) is always going to one-up us whether we want it or not so well it's like they're discovering new animals all the time scientists are discovering new animals all the time and like also using gene sequencing to change their taxonomy and stuff and also the ocean is just a mystery well yeah it's just a don't even get me pool. started on the ocean <laughs> <laughs> don't get me i wish that y'all could have seen her hand just like did this absolute like stop motion like do not get me started knife hands do not get me started on the ocean yeah pretty much it was like that yes <laughs> it was pretty great <laughs> so yeah those are the those are the five properties that come with a mineral so okay. naturally occurring inorganic solid at room temperature well-defined chemical composition and also a definite atomic order now rocks are a different thing so rocks are actually composed of one or more minerals. So what we traditionally think of as a rock may actually end up being a mineral. So for example, quartz. A lot of people find quartz just lying around. It does um, seem like a rock. <laughs> it does seem like a rock, but quartz is actually a mineral. Um, hmm. Quartz falls under the category of mineral because it has all of those specific characteristics that make mm-hmm. it um, make it a mineral. Um, and quartz is one of the substances that a lot of people have found because it's one of the most stable it is the most stable mineral at earth's temperature uh surface temperature pressure conditions and so it's just everywhere it's just everywhere mm. you find quartz people find like um you know quartz rocks in creeks and they find them yeah we in, used to find it in our like the creek behind our house as yeah kids. you'll, you'll and find like in our it yard like, as kids you'll find it in your yard when you're like digging stuff up you'll find it yeah. uh most beaches are made up of large quantities of quartz not all beaches but most of our east coast beaches are made up of quartz if it's not if the sand has not been trucked in from somewhere else oh okay so if it's like actually finely ground sand that's there yeah that was it's just, it's, sorry it's finely ground quartz interesting yes. 
yes from the east coast of the i mean a lot of it is like shipped in from other places but yeah yeah and that's because they're having there's a lot of uh there's a lot of current movement along the east coast of the ocean of the united states i should specify Um, north all of north america (laughs) yes but it causes um it causes the sand to get moved and so they truck in sand from other places because they want to have beaches so they can have tourist sites otherwise (laughs) otherwise nobody wants to hang out on rocks the pier would just float away you know i'm being (laughs) sarcastic but not really like there's been several places where there have been um you know when we have crazy storms or hurricanes that they literally just cut through sandbars that are in front Mm. of uh various ocean inlets anyway that's off track so so we talked about minerals now we're talking about rocks rocks are made up of more than one mineral or they're made up of other substances as well they can include plant materials or animal materials which is why they're their own category they don't have to be just inorganic materials is a fossil a rock i would say it depends on what so fossils are when we talk about a fossil we talk about a critter usually but also fossils well, can like an be, imprint like a footprint yes so sometimes footprint. fossils can be footprints sometimes fossils can be poop yep checks sometimes out. fossils can be imprints of plants that were left behind so sometimes those fossils if they're a animal or a plant that was very soft when they were in life so like a little slug or like a squid or something that didn't really have it didn't have a shell or anything the only way that we get fossils of those things is that they had to imprint on something really soft Mm. um usually it's clay Mm. usually clay is where they were imprinted on because it's soft yes exactly it's it's soft and it it leaves um an imprint of the animal so the animal doesn't get left behind but the the imprint does some animals have bones, you know, so they have hard parts, either bones, which are made of... Some animals have bones. Yes. It's true. Some animals have I bones. I know. Some animals some don't, don't have bones. Some, don't. some of them are spineless, but some of them have bones. There's, there's a whole and... other section of... <laughs> don't even get me started on the ocean. Like... <laughs> so the ones that well, have, spineless the ones that have bones, um, when those critters die, a lot of times their bones will also end up in some sort of soft substance. Sometimes it's in harder substances, but usually it's in some sort of soft substance. And a lot of times... What happens is the bone, as other materials bury the bones, eventually over time, those buried materials get compressed into a solid rock. Mm. And a lot of times the bones themselves will actually dissolve out of the solid rock Mm. um, and either leave a gap or sometimes they get replaced with another type of mineral. Mm. So sometimes they get replaced with calcium carbonate, so calcite. Sometimes they get replaced with aragonite, which is similar. Sometimes they get replaced with crazy, um, beautiful looking things too. Mm. But that's that's just one type of fossilization. There are other types, but those are kind of mm-hmm. two major ones. So maybe we should have a whole episode about fossils then. I mean, we, I think we will. <laughs> I think I think I was planning on it. Sounds good. So we'll we'll keep that in mind for later. But anyway, so rocks. Let's get back to rocks. We keep being distracted. <laughs> so wait, the, to answer the question, it sounds like no. <laughs> like a fossil? Can a fossil be a fossil? Can a rock? be a rock? A fossil can be or a rock. It can because you know if you're looking at a, a fossil of tracks. That's usually just rock. I mean, obviously, it's usually just a rock. rock. Yeah. So sometimes it's that. Sometimes the the bones themselves have turned into a rock. More often than not, I feel like they're they're minerals. They're still just... A lot of times. Okay. It just depends on the type of bone. It depends on what kind of bone it was, mm. um, and what the bone was made of. Because some some bones are not made of the same substances as others. Our bones are different than some other critters, quote unquote bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into it later. Okay. <laughs> yes. To, the you short answer. My question. The short answer is yes. The long answer is kind of. Kind of, okay. yeah. <laughs> which I feel like is true for board. a lot of geology topics. <laughs> yes. Well, anything that's like you when you look at it in depth, like it just 
raises further questions. Like, yeah, basically. That's, that's how it is. Okay. Uh, you know, unfortunate or maybe fortunate for this podcast. <laughs> both. So, <laughs> so our next topic is rocks. Both. Rocks um, actually fall into three major categories, which a lot of you have probably heard of. They're igneous rocks, sedimentary rocks, and what's the last one? It's metamorphic. You are correct. It's metamorphic rocks. <laughs> We'll start with igneous rocks. Igneous rocks are formed when either magma or lava cools and solidifies. And then as it solidifies, it crystallizes into, into a rock. And it's magma when it's inside Correct. the surface? So magma is molten material that's below the Earth's surface. Okay. Uh, molten being like a, like a semi-solid that's really hot. Goo. Yes. And it's then, hot goo. And then lava is once it's <laughs> once it has come to the Earth's surface. Once it has, uh, we use the term extruded, or there's there's other terms as well. Exploded. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> once it, well, yes. Um, once you have piped that icing out of the bag, it is lava. <laughs> <laughs> While it's still in the bag, it's it is magma. Okay. So that's that's an igneous rock. Sedimentary rocks. I'll do that one last because they're my they're my favorites. Also, this um, podcast is named after that, so. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, which special. is why, partly that's partly why it's named after that. But um, metamorphic rocks are either minerals or rocks that have been subject, subjected to high heat, high pressure, or hot fluids, or actually it could be a combination of all three of those things. Okay. Um, and through, through those treatments, they have become a new type of rock. So they have changed chemically, or they have changed their structures, and they have metamorphose like a beautiful butterfly into a beautiful new rock so so they change from one thing into something else they change from of... one type of rock into another type of, type rock. of rock <laughs> <laughs> well they could be like a mineral that turns into a rock Correct. or would that be a mineral yeah that they, can be, they mineral? can be a mineral they can be okay. a mineral that turns into a rock um but usually no you, most of the times it's it's usually. it's a it's a combination of other of either one or many types of rocks that are squished together but sometimes <laughs> okay. but sometimes it can be minerals too okay and the technical um, term is squishing, correct? That is obviously the technical term, is being <laughs> squished. It's hot squish. The hot squish. Yeah, yeah it's the hot <laughs> squish that's occurring. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely the technical term. You will find it in all uh, documents about metamorphic rocks. Um, I'm just making sure that you're all informed. You're all your aware. dissertation, your undergraduate dissertation was my about the hot Thank squish. you for coming. Yes. <laughs> um, and all the right. thing is, as as the temperature and pressure increases, it's the hotter squisher. So we need to keep that hotter in mind. squishier. Yes. So keep that in mind uh, when you get into higher grade metamorphosism. It's hotter squishier rocks. Um, and then the final type of rock that we have is sedimentary rocks, which is, as Ellen pointed out, is what our podcast is named after. Um, and they're my personal favorite rocks for a lot of reasons. But sedimentary rocks are formed when you have a collection of small particles, either rocks or minerals or critters, any any of those things. Um, we call that bitty bitty sediment. Uh, when we have small pieces of things, sediment, yeah, it's uh, deposited somewhere and then cemented together. It becomes a rock. And there are different ways that this can occur. Some are more loosely cemented together than others. So some are much more... The technical term I'll use here is crumbly. They'll be a lot more crumbly than other rocks. <laughs> and then some are more solidified, just depending on, you know, the materials that they're made of and how they were formed. Okay. Sedimentary rocks are defined by the size of the particles that are in the rocks. And they're also defined by the content of those particles. So whether they're made up of other smaller pieces of rock <laughs> or they're made, I'm not even joking, or other pieces of minerals. <laughs> 
or sometimes they can be made up of shells, you know, so which is made from a, a, an animal made that. So that gets a different category of sediment, sedimentary rocks. Makes sense. So, yes. So if it's made of rocks or smaller rocks or if it's made <laughs> of critters or if it's made of uh, minerals. They'll have I mean, those are pretty things. good guidelines. That totally makes sense. <laughs> yes. So th- now that I have finished in almost half an hour explaining <laughs> not really in just like all of minutes, all of geology. Yes. Yeah. This is this is one of the first lessons that you actually get when you take a lab and a class is they you yeah. know make sure you know the difference and then they try to trick you by giving you different rocks and minerals and <laughs> you know asking you to lick them or not don't lick the rocks don't lick them don't lick the rocks never lick them that was we don't the rules licking. when i so there's one mineral called halite it's nacl which if anybody knows that chemical formula salt. is actually salt yes it's salt that's what we use that's table salt we collect it a lot of times in different ways you call it Halite? Yeah, when it solidifies into one. Yeah, H-A-L-I-T-E. Okay. When it's like a chunk. Yeah. But the the thing is, you know, it tastes like salt, right? But I try to encourage my students, don't lick it, please. I know it will taste like salt, but do you know how many people have been touching that sample all day and putting and scratching it with various tools and just don't lick it. Don't lick anything in a lab. (laughs) Just not a good idea. Uh, don't throw rocks that was another rule i had um these i literally put these into a powerpoint i said don't lick them don't throw them and don't drop them on your feet those were like my three rules that's a pretty good rules for a lab (laughs) these were college students too so i feel like you know i feel like i shouldn't have had to say them but i also wanted to be clear that no you definitely have to say yes i will kick you out (laughs) so now that we have you know clarified our rules for this podcast um (laughs) as well as the rules for my lab Ellen, I would like to know, now that you know the difference between a mineral and a rock, can you please tell me your favorite mineral and or rocks? Yes, I can do that. I have prepared. I've been preparing for this moment my whole life. Okay, so I, for the purpose of this episode, I picked several different minerals of mine that are my favorites for various reasons, and I will tell you why. The first mineral that I have as a favorite is pyrite. Ooh, ah. Yes. Otherwise known as fool's gold. Yes. And the reason that um the reason that I have this as a favorite is not because I, you know, like it just cuz it's like gold and whatever. Like it's not just that reason. But the thing is that so when when we were kids, we used to go and like pick up rocks in the creek, like at the creek and like on, you know, the hiking trail and stuff and find them in our backyard and that was a fun activity as kids and our dad would be like, "Oh, this one is like feldspar and this one is like granite or whatever." Just or like this is some some rock, I don't know, you know, whatever. Um <laughs> This is some blog. I only vaguely remember this. That was when we were, like, pretty young. But I remember that one time, you know, in, like, the late 90s and, like, the early 2000s, how those, like, stores at the mall with, like, science stuff and, like, yeah. science toys were popu- popular? Like the, there was the Discovery Center and stuff. Yeah, 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 Discovery Store. There was, like, always one in every mall, right? And I remember I was at one of those types of stores as a kid, and I saw Pyrite, and I was talking to my dad, and I was like, look, look at this gold. It's only, like, $7 or whatever. And he was like... <laughs> He was like, oh, this pyrite, like it's, it looks like gold, but it's not really gold. And I was like, what? Like it blew my mind. It blew my mind that there was something that could look like something else. And I, I don't know why it always stuck out to me as a kid. It was like one of my first kind of like a deeper experience with geology. So that's why I picked it as a favorite. Meanwhile, I'm over by the clear boxes that they have full of squishy things that you can squish. And I'm like, ooh, squish, 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 not looking at any of the rocks at all. Or getting can... like a bead kit, uh, craft kit or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I, cool though. I don't know. It, 
that's a really yeah. pleasant memory to have to i can't believe you remember that so distinctly yeah i, I remember it very clearly because i love first of all i love stores like that i loved them very much because i always liked science but yeah and second, it, of all, yeah. And second of all your mind was blown my mind was blown as a tiny child yes well, let me continue to blow your mind with some interesting okay. facts about pyrite. <laughs> Please tell me, tell me about pyrite. Please. <laughs> so pyrite is cool. Um, one thing is its chemical formula is, and again, we're not going to really get too much into it, but it's FeS2, which to... So iron and sulfur? Yes. It's iron sulfide is the, um, the chemical formula. Gives it some interesting properties. One of the things that is interesting about it is, have you, did you ever, when you, when you picked up that pyrite sample, did you, uh, did you happen to sniff it? Did you give it a little sniff? Give it a whiff? No. Do you want to guess? I think I just looked at it. I don't even remember picking it up. I hope you didn't lick it either or throw it. <laughs> no. No. I wasn't a kid who licked rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing that if you give it a whiff, it doesn't really have too, too strong of a smell. But um, one of the things about it is one of, the, one of the properties that we check when we are defining certain minerals is that we do something where we call it a streak test. And we don't get naked and then run around with the rocks. <laughs> what we do is... <laughs> Well, if you don't do that, then what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Not having any fun. Um, If you take take your rock and um, we have these plates, they're called streak plates, uh, which are these little white plates that powder relatively easily. But you take a mineral and you slide it across the plate with a, you know, with a good amount of pressure and you will actually powder a little bit of the mineral itself. And when you powder the mineral, you actually leave behind a streak on the streak plate of the mineral that you're checking. Um, and these these streaks are considered the most um, the most clear and the most untainted version of mm. the mineral, you could say, because a lot of times when minerals are in the wild, you know, they have uh, they're affected by different things such as weather and you know time, air, so air, <laughs> yes. Dirt. So um, a lot of times they'll look very different on the surface, but once you powder them. They are a more um, complete and a more uh, untainted version of themselves. So we learn a lot about them by looking at the powdered form of the mineral. So the the, the process of doing a streak test, it's like writing on this little piece of like this little white like tablet thing. Y- yeah. You you just run the rock on it. It's like yeah. using like a pencil essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like okay. it's like a it's like a little piece of porcelain essentially. Um, okay. But uh, so it's, it's like rubbing two rocks against each other, <laughs> even. Exciting. Um, yes. Even um, better than yeah. streaking. And um, there are certain cases where streaks don't work. If the mineral is if too hard, it's harder than the plate. It'll actually streak the plate. And you'll only <laughs> find powdered white plate. <laughs> on, the, <laughs> and, on the mineral. So, for example, if you use something like diamond, which is the hardest mineral that exists, it will it will just break the plate. Not really. But it'll, leave, it'll leave a scratch it'll in the scratch plate. The plate. You know, yeah, you'll see the scratch yes. in the plate. Um, okay. But yeah, no, you can you can you can streak uh, pyrite, and pyrite streak is a kind of a dark greenish sort of color. But if you take a whiff of that, can you guess what you think that the streak would smell like? The unweathered like, version of the mineral, like just straight up brimstone. It does <laughs> because the formula is uh, iron it's sulfide. It's gonna smell like for people who don't know what that smells like. It smells like rotten eggs. Yes, basically. it smells yeah. like sulfur, which smells like rotten eggs, and. Yes. Um, <laughs> More importantly, uh, when you're in a lab, it doesn't come out of your hands when you try to wash them. So <laughs> you just smell your hands for a while afterwards. Cool. <laughs> Nothing bitter. But you yes. do or yeah. – <laughs> sounds, yes. yes, sounds very hyper-specific as if it might have happened. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just mentioning it for the audience's sake. Um, <laughs> there are several minerals that are sulfur minerals or sulfide minerals, um, and that's one of the, you mm. know, easy giveaways is if you sniff it, 
you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest sniffing any powder, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but some of, some of the minerals have a much stronger in the, in their unpowdered weathered form, they, they have a much stronger smell of sulfur than others. So mm. the other thing about pyrite that's kind of cool is that it's found in a bunch of different places. It can be found in coal beds. It can oh, be found in sedimentary rocks, other kinds of sedimentary rocks. It can replace other minerals in fossils. Oh, and like so you just we, talked about. Exactly. So we were talking about um, we were talking about how um, so you could have like a gold fossil, well, gold looking fossil, a fool's gold fossil. <laughs> it doesn't happen so very often, but it's ten year old self or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but it is possible. And interesting. Um, it also can be found in quartz veins. Okay. The other thing that's interesting about pyrite is that it's a semiconductor which hmm. means that it can actually conduct electricity. Um, hmm. It's not very good at it, but it can do it. Um, it's not as good as, say, copper, um, but it's much better than something like glass, which is, like, completely inert. Interesting. So that's uh, that's my those, – those are my pyrite facts. Cool. What other minerals or rocks you got for me? Okay. Next favorite mineral slash rock that I brought for you today is cavensite. And the reason the that council. I, like – Yes, I brought, I brought it before everyone to, to talk about it. Good, we can judge you together then. <laughs> well, you can. The reason that I like cavensite, so cavensite is something that I obviously like didn't really have a lot of exposure to, but it was also one of the things that when you start studying geology, we went to, so I live in, in Toronto in Canada, and in Toronto there is a museum called the Royal Ontario Museum, which is a natural history museum. And in the Royal Ontario Museum, there's, an amazing collection of rock samples yes i don't know i guess there are some like in the smithsonian and stuff too it, but i don't know if it's the same caliber. it gives me a lot of feels um <laughs> the then so National... we go if we us two go to the rom together it's like three hours in the rock room and then one hour seeing everything else like <laughs> Except laughing because it's true it's absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely but it's great before. because like so the the rock room the rock and mineral room if you go there is very interesting but there's just like most of it is just like i think there's some interactive exhibits and stuff but it's mostly just like a label and you're like okay cool and it has like the chemical composition i think of the rock and it has the name in french i think my favorite label was the one for silver um, because <laughs> it's it the, the label says silver argent she on said it. what is silver argent and i was like that's argent is the name for silver in french i don't know french i forget the kid is both english and french so i, I was like what's Got silver you. argent i've never heard of that before <laughs> but yeah so we get a, basically if we go with jane we get a personal tour of the rock room they get um, a rant they get a long but rant one of the things that i saw there the first time we went was cabin site and cabin site is a beautiful mineral it's a mineral yes it's a beautiful yep. mineral and it forms on top of this like white other mineral or rock and it's like teal it's like electric teal in color and it has this like spiky kind of crystally shape and i think like just the experience of going to the rock and mineral room for the first time was just super mind-blowing because there's so many different and beautiful crystal shapes and that specific museum has so many interesting like samples that you see them and it's like i don't know it's just it was a whole other world so it was like kind of my first foray into a deeper understanding of geology and deeper appreciation of things and mostly i just like it because it looks cool and also you got me a sample which i was about to say nice and who who is the sister that you have that bought you a, <laughs> bought sample? You a sample yes thank you <laughs> so my tiny say- my little rock collection that's 90 percent i th- actually think all of them are from you <laughs> I think you're I think probably so. correct about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cavensite, I actually don't know too much about it. It's actually a pretty rare mineral. Um, it's beautiful, but it's, it's just pretty it's rare. 
Um, one of the things that upsets me deeply about it um, <laughs> is that the the name cabin site actually comes from the three chemicals it's composed of. It's <laughs> Why composed does this of, bother you? It seems like very efficient to me. <laughs> it's just deeply upsetting. So it's, it's made of calcium, vanadium, and silicate. And it's okay. just like... Is vanadium just, in a lot of minerals? It's like the most. Like... It's like the most given up name I've ever heard. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's the most. Um, the most like, not like politically correct, but the most neutral name. It's not named after a place or a person. There's no. There's nothing to argue about with capsite. I, I think, which is nice. <laughs> I guess it would have been worse if it was um, named after you know the person who found it. Because like yeah. that's one of the what well, that's kind of like one of the no nos in science. A lot of people don't name things after themselves. No, no. They name them after someone else or someone who's dead or someone they admire, which I you know I appreciate. But yeah, naming it after, I just <laughs> anyway, it's upsetting. It's fine. There You're are, allowed to have your opinion. There are some minerals that are made or not made that contain vanadium, but um, we can hmm. save that for another time. Okay. But um, a lot of times they actually are, end up more of like an orange color, which I think is interesting because this mm. one's like a bright blue. It's very but, blue. Um, honestly, I can't. Uh, it's it's down to the chemistry, and that's why it causes it to be that color. The chemistry causes it to have different optical properties, and so we see the light as blue. Blue, um, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, it's cool. this beautiful blue color, like tealy blue. Um, it's pretty rare. Uh, one of the yeah, largest. It's like, it's like ocean, like uh, Caribbean ocean blue. It really is, almost. yeah. Yeah. It's like I was trying to think of like an appropriate color that water really blue. Yes, <laughs> like that's the color. Anyway, and they, it's very pretty. They, it's found um, in one of the most common places it's found is India, and hmm. specifically it's found in the Deccan Traps, which are like a really really famous igneous province, meaning it's like a big old group of igneous rocks. Um, so that's hmm. one of the most common places you can find it is in India. Um, I, don't I think the sample the sample that mine is the sample that I have is from India, I believe. Yeah, somewhere in India. That's that's the you know the easiest place to find it I would say um, I don't know if there's um, any other major sites but India is really the only place that I know that's specific for mm. it. and that's really what I know about cabin site aside from that it's beautiful and the name is upsetting. There's nothing to <laughs> the name is upsetting. There's nothing to. It's not like we have to know a lot about it to appreciate it. Like I appreciate that the Earth can create something yeah. that blue and beautiful. Basically, I just feel like it's more like a more of a marker of some you know deeper interest in geology. I think one of the things that I would like to say is just that, you know, there's no wrong way to appreciate a rock. If you like the color, <laughs> dude, go for it. You know, even if it's not a rock, even if it's a mineral, you know, go for it. Uh, even if, if it's not a sedimentary rock, your favorite. <laughs> even if it's just concrete that you found on the side of the road and you're like, this looks cool. Like, whatever. Gosh, I don't concrete care. Concrete is nice, too. You know, um, it's it's concrete is made from sedimentary rocks it's made from limestone which comes from calcium which comes from calcite you know what i mean so it's like it all goes down a rabbit hole of of just deeper and deeper knowledge the thing is like i just i think getting to handle samples and go out and see some of these features for yourself we'll be talking about various landforms at some point in, a, yeah. in this podcast um you know that i think is one of the biggest joys that comes with learning geology is being able to really interact with the world around you and see it from a slightly different lens Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I there's agree. nothing wrong just being like, I like it because it's blue. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's, I would say that my two major favorite minerals fall into two categories, and one of them is blue. <laughs> That's good. The other one we'll talk about in a minute, but, okay. but really. Let my... me tell you about my last favorite rock that <laughs> yes. we've highlighted for this. So my last favorite mineral is bismuth. Ooh. And the reason is because, well, I have two reasons for liking it. First of all, 
there are these crazy like crystal like you can see these versions that people have like i've seen posts of them basically on the social media that are like these crazy like rainbow i think it's like a hexagonal kind of shaped like crystal structure the other thing that i think is important or the reason why i picked this as a as an example of a favorite is because it's also something that people use so it's like a, it's utilized in medicine for example in pepto bismol <laughs> bum, bum, bum. You're eating a rock. You're eating a rock. Loves You're a drinking mineral. a rock. You're drinking a, a mineral. mineral. <laughs> but like, there, it's not the only mineral that's used extensively by humans. And I think like it's important to understand that a lot of we're pulling these sort of resources from the earth and using them. And it's yeah. So anyway, like that's K-Lite. why I chose to bring it. Yes, <laughs> like, like, like that you put on your food, but don't lick it in the lab. <laughs> <laughs> or like gypsum, like in drywall, and there's I mean talc. Like there's so many. There are. So the utility of like all of these different rocks and minerals is important to understand too. So bismuth for me highlights that because it's both beautiful and useful. Yeah, I took a whole course about bismuth. mineral resources and economic. Yeah, bismuth. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. No, I took a whole course, not about bismuth, but I took a whole course about <laughs> um, economic minerals. And, nice. Um, Interesting. Mineral resources. Um, cool. There were two different classes because that's really more what I wanted to go into. Which, mm-hmm. Life is funny that way. You don't, but that's what I studied <laughs> in school because that's what I was planning to do. And, Listen, uh, <laughs> we all study things in school that we didn't end up using. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm using it now, so yes. <laughs> so I got my degrees worth. But yeah, it's you know, it's just something that I always found intriguing was learning about the how we interact with the earth in various different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and how we strip it of its resources and <laughs> continue living our best lives. Um, yes. So bismuth. So tell me uh, about bismuth. Let me blow your mind. Yes. Bismuth does not naturally occur in the form that you're talking about. So Rude of bismuth to do that. <laughs> the shape that you're talking about, it looks like this cool kind of stair-step pyramidal kind of shape. It's pretty smexy looking. It is cool. It's like very crystalline. Um, very cool. It has these... It almost looks like it's very iridescent and has this kind of like yeah, oil it's like slick. Rainbow-y. It looks like an oil slick kind of sheen. Mm. That iridescence actually comes when bismuth has oxidized, meaning it's been exposed to oxygen. Mm. That's not what it looks like without that sort of exposure. Um, it's actually naturally kind of like a white pink kind of color. Oh, is it? Yeah, mm. it's like a kind of a white pinkish kind of color, and it's a very brittle metal. Normally, when you find it in its solid state, it actually just looks like a blob. Like, it looks like a blob of gray without any distinct crystals or anything. It's pretty pretty boring looking. Um, I don't know why man decided to make it this beautiful pyramid shape. I don't know why man decided to. to yeah, I, that's really what it is. Like, humans did this. We, we made these, like, these crystalline shapes. And I guess because it looks cool. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's but... sick. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, normally it's just kind of a shiny. It's kind of a shiny gray blob. On, on the regular it does it does look like you could get crystals of it that are gray but i can't tell from this photo if that's it can form crystals but not they're not very good on the okay mountain, which is why <laughs> which is why we we did stair steps you know we we made mm. those the only other cool fact i have about bismuth is that when you burn it it actually has a blue flame which oh, I think cool. is pretty interesting that was one of my favorite chem labs was like burning yes. stuff and figuring out what color flame it has not because setting lot. stuff on fire but <laughs> you know <laughs> no but yeah it burns it burns blue which i think is also interesting just, just fun just fun fact unnecessary but fun do they like use bismuth in fireworks or whatever probably yeah not. sometimes they yes can. i think i think it's not very often because i think it's um pretty it's kind of rare and it's 
plain form. Mm. People synthesize it in labs and stuff like that, and we end up using it. But mm. you, it's usually mixed in with other rocks and other minerals, and so it's not. Um, we have to extract it through a variety of processes to get it, so we can, you know, put it into medicine or Apparently whatever else yellow, reason for it. A yellow pigment that's made with bismuth, bismuth vanadate. Ooh, ooh, ah. Yes. Anyway, very interesting. But those are my those are my favorites that I chose to talk about. That's. But I, I mean, want to hear good ones. Yes, good I want to hear about your favorites. Though. Okay, so we'll start with my favorite mineral. Ellen knows <laughs> that I have a lot of feelings about. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about these rocks and minerals. Rocks and minerals, yes. And I have a lot of um, I have a lot of feels about you know which ones I choose. But I mentioned before that I have two categories of minerals that I like. The first category is blue. Blue. Um, <laughs> so I like cavensite. There's a lot of pretty blue minerals. Like I, you're on the right track. I like cavensite. Sure. I like dioptase, which I'm not going to get into, but it's like this cool teal color. I like mm. kyanite for a lot of reasons, but it's like this beautiful blue, like a really um, solid, just a regular solid blue. Like not a, it, it almost goes into more of a lighter blue category but it's just it's just a very <laughs> solid you know middle of the road blue it's not like super dark or super light and i enjoy that about it um and i like you know just just blue that's one category um the, <laughs> the other category of mineral that i like is uh gertite so gertite is not a category it's just one mineral. i was gonna say what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's my category is i either like okay. gertite or blue those are the two minerals that i like okay so Tell us um, about gertite. gertite is named um this is what i was mentioning before it's named after a german author named goethe um some people pronounce it gothite those people are wrong but goethe was german sure. and he pronounced his name goethe so i'm gonna pronounce if it gertite. you uh... If you want to Google um, along at home, it's G-E-O-T-H-I-T-E. Yeah. Gertite. Gertite. So yeah, Goethe is the, he's a famous author. He wrote poems such as Prometheus and the Sorcerer's Stone, which some of you may have seen the Disney adaptation no of that. No big deal. Yeah. Um, he wrote Faust, um, which is, wow. a, which okay. is a play yes. that was a tragedy in two parts. And he wrote um, a book called The Sars of Young Werther, which I actually had to read for college um, for a separate class, not my geology class. Surprisingly. <laughs> no. And, <laughs> and, you know, running theme of a lot of sad things, but, you know. So Gertite is an iron oxyhydroxide, which means that the fo- chemical formula is Fe, which is iron, O, and then OH, which is the hydroxide, um, O being oxygen and H being uh, hydrogen. And it's formed when other iron-rich minerals and rocks weather over time through, hmm. you know, water and um, physical processes. Um, an example of one of those that weathers from uh, laterite is an example. It weathers into gertite. The thing about gertite that I love is not that it has such a cool name. <laughs> gertite, most of the time when you find it, looks like just a black blob. Like sometimes <laughs> it can be a little shiny. Sometimes it's kind of a little bit of a metallic sheen. Um, a lot of times it just has like rust on it. Like it just looks like something. Because iron. Yeah, because it's iron. So it'll get like an orange or like a yellowy or a red kind of rust around the edges of it. Mm. Sometimes it forms little blobs, um, like little blob shapes, um, which we would call globular habit, meaning like that's what, it, you know, the crystals are like blobs. The habit is like the shape the crystals form in. Correct. Right? The habit is the shape that they're, the, you know, the, the shape that it chooses to take. And minerals can have multiple different habits. Mm. But yeah, a lot of times it's just like one massive blob. And I love Gertite because it's so unassuming looking. But the thing about it is when you grind up Gertite, it actually, the ground up form of it is this absolutely beautiful color. 
it's like this yellowy kind of brown pigment called like ochre. mustardy kind of color. yeah oh, ochre ochre mm. so it's like yellow ochre or brown ochre and it's just beautiful it's just like this gorgeous kind of goldenrod sort of yellow um mm. and it's it like it's nice because it's like uh and it's and it was it's been used in renaissance paintings it's been used for mm-hmm. you know thousands of years it was used in renaissance paintings you know it's just like for me the fact that it just looks so unassuming and then is actually something beautiful and gorgeous and sunshiny is just um <laughs> just very appealing to some part of my soul is that you know, you can be gross on the outside, but you're beautiful on the inside. <laughs> you're beautiful when you're crushed into a paste. You can be rusty on the with. outside. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think no, that's I'd... a nice sentiment regardless. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's why Gertzite is my favorite just because it's just, it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't look like much, but it is, it's it's much, you know. Yeah. And every, every one of us can, um, you know, we can be unassuming, but, you know, we're still, we're still important. We still got our role to play. Anybody so, can become a Gertite. Anybody can become a crushed yellow pigment if they prefer. <laughs> or they can just stay the black blob. It's like whatever, you know, it's your business. You do you. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> all the other, not all the, but a lot of the other um, iron oxide and iron um, hydroxides are, they also have really, oxyhydroxide, excuse me. Um, they have a lot of, they're used a lot of times in pigments. So they're usually mm. in kind of a range of like earthy colors. So they can be kind of like, um, hematite, for example, is more of a kind of a red, red brown kind of pigment. Instead um, of yellowish, it's more reddish. Yeah, and some of the okay. other ones can be kind of more of an orangey color, hmm. but but they all have they all range between those like beautiful warm earth tones, and hmm. I just I you know I like I like that about them. But so yeah, gertite is my favorite. I always think it's crazy when you talk about like actual like pigment pigments that like come from a thing that, <laughs> and that's like the one thing that makes that pigment. It's very interesting to me. There's actually um, I don't know if you know I don't really like I'm a graphic designer, but I don't like paint or anything like that. So I just I don't know. Yeah. There's actually a um, a library of pigments in New York. Cool. Um, and it has, because there are some specific pigments that are only made from specific minerals that are rare or they're made mm. from, you know, there's certain materials that are only made from creatures, uh, you know, critters are the ones <laughs> who are making that pigment or they're making that. There's a, there's a type of silk that people make that's spun from, I think it's clams, you know, in Italy. What? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not even joking. Yeah, it's either clams I believe or you, muscles, I just, I just like wasn't that. aware. Yeah, it's, Interesting. Just, it's a type of silk that's spun. It's very rare. Huh. Um, but, uh, you know, Who it's knew? a you know, family clams. secret, you know. Um, some, <laughs> some sort of sea creature, creature that makes this uh, quote unquote silk. Um, okay. And they, you know, and they film, they make lace and stuff out of it. But pigments are one of those things that intrigues me. And it's one of the common uses for a lot of minerals and several different types of rocks too. But minerals in particular, because they're a much more consistent because they're they're made of one specific chemical formula, they're a lot more consistent, so it's easier to know what they're going to grind into. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Versus makes sense. a rock is made up of a bunch of different minerals, so sometimes Could. it's kind of a it's kind, of a, kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's my favorite mineral. So gertite or blue are my favorite minerals. <laughs> gertite or blue. <laughs> and then um, your favorite rock. Yes. Yeah, so my favorite rock, um, my favorite category of rocks are sedimentary, which I've mentioned before. Um, which is, you know, helped inspire this podcast. My favorite specific sedimentary rock is travertine. Ooh. Travertine is, it's made from a very specific process. They're formed, this particular rock is formed when superheated waters um, that are coming up from the earth, underneath the earth, and then they're exposed to earth surface temperature conditions and pressure So like conditions. a hot spring. Yeah, so it, it could be a hot screen spring. It could just be like some other superheated water. Or yeah, something. it could be some place where there's just uh, you know water that 
was heated by the earth and extruded. But usually hot springs are one of the easiest places to find travertine. But anyway, when the, wa- when the water reaches the surface, it cools down. Now, the thing is, when water is hotter than boiling, it dissolves various minerals and elements that are under the earth. Uh, under the, under the surface of the earth. <laughs> like under the whole earth in space, yes. And because the, the water is so hot, it keeps these particles in it. But when you reach the surface of the earth and the water cools, cools down. down, it releases these particles. And the thing is, like, we've seen this whenever you've been at home. If you cook in your ramen, you know, you're making some, <laughs> making some snacks, making some dinner. And, you know, you got that little packet um, or you're making yourself some pasta and you decide, oh, I want to, you know, we're always told we should salt the water, right? So mm-hmm. when you throw salt into a pot of water and it's cold, you just see the salt, the salt particles sitting at the bottom of the water mm-hmm. and it takes a longer time for them to dissolve. But as you heat the pot to boiling, the salt will dissolve into the water. And as you have boiling water, you could actually dissolve a lot of salt into the water that you wouldn't have been able to if it was cold water. You wouldn't mm. have been able to just uh, dissolve it. But if you if you ever put a ton of salt in there and you dissolve it all, if you try to cool down <laughs> your water... Sometimes the salt will crystallize back out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you put enough salt in it. So that's a fun experiment if you have parental supervision or you're an adult and you try <laughs> that at home. Sometimes they do that in chemistry classes too. Or yeah. you know what would be even better than salt is if you do that with sugar and then you make like rock candy. That's or true. Something. That would be delicious. That's actually how <laughs> rock candy is formed. Just when you yes, dissolve, I know <laughs> you dissolve sugar in, in water, water and then you put strings in it and then you let it cool down and then it forms on the string. Exactly. Or stick that's, or whatever. That's actually how a lot of igneous rocks, I mean, in a very chem- simple chemical terms, <laughs> that's how a lot of igneous rocks form is that hmm. they're somewhere hot and then it cools igneous? down and then they become igneous. rock candy. Okay. But you don't eat them. Don't eat no, them. No, that's, no, We talked about that rule. No, no, no. They become rock candy. Yeah, but you don't eat them or lick them. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so yeah, travertine okay. is formed usually at hot springs where when that water reaches the surface, it cools down. And the chemicals, we use the term precipitate, or they, they drop out of the water and solidify um, into a solid substance that we call travertine. And um, obviously not all heated water becomes travertine when it gets to the surface, just ones that contain um, calcium carbonate and a couple other minerals that are needed uh, to form travertine. Okay. A couple other elements, I should say. But yeah, it's found in a lot of places. It's extensively found in Italy and Turkey. There's actually a site in Italy that's actually named after travertine. Tivoli, I think, is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And travertine is cool because it it looks like... It kind of looks like cheese, is how (laughs) I would describe it. Yeah, it doesn't not look like cheese. Or like a sponge. Um, It has kind of a spongy texture. Sometimes it has holes, like little holes, too, like sponge. So it actually forms... A lot of times when it's forming, um, they form it... It forms in layers because you basically get rings like a bathtub outside the edges of wherever your hot spring is Mm -hmm. um, because it drops out from drops out from the hot spring and so you get layers over time because sometimes you'll have like more water pressure or higher or lower water pressure just depending on what's coming out of the earth at the time Mm. and because of that because of the way it forms sometimes you just get uh you know gaps in the rock it doesn't form solid like some other rocks do some of those gaps can actually have tiny little stalactites and stalagmites in them because cute um which are those giant structures in this case tiny but structures (laughs) that hang from the ceilings of caves in caves yeah yes and from the floors of caves which are formed through a similar process, just take a lot longer in time. That's cool. But yeah, and yeah, it does look like... I'm trying to figure out how a good way to describe it. It does... Spongy. It does look... Yeah, if a rock could look spongy, it does look like that. But it also has, like, layers, and the layers are sort of uneven. Like, that's why... Like, it's not perfectly, like, flat or whatever. That's why um, people use it in 
like decoratively for houses and stuff and buildings, oh, yeah. right? Uh, one, some of the main main uses of travertine are in as tile. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of times people use it as a decorative tile, as Ellen mentioned. And one of the other things that it's used for a lot of times is building material. It's pretty extensively used for building mm-hmm. material. There's this uh, there's this little building you may have heard of called the Colosseum. <laughs> uh, oh, the Colosseum, Colosseum is made out of travertine? I didn't know that. It's mostly travertine, yes. It has a couple okay. of other materials in it. But yeah, oh. because there's so much travertine in Seems Italy, crumbly. It seems like a good choice. <laughs> there's but... a reason why the Colosseum is not uh, one solid ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's used because, you know, it's found extensively in Italy. It was used on a lot of um, ancient Roman structures because mm. it was locally sourced it was easy to get it's available the thing is it is relatively in terms of rocks it is relatively soft and one of the things mm. that's bad about it is it weathers pretty harshly under acid rain um because it, mm. it can dissolve under acid rain so when people if you decide you want to have travertine tiles especially if you want to have it as an outdoor patio for whatever reason i would strongly recommend that you seal it <laughs> <laughs> like i strongly recommend that you use something else but yeah <laughs> I would, yeah i would recommend more than anything you use something else but um you can you can put a seal it on it and then it helps you just have to maintain um it just requires more maintenance but mm. it's doable but yeah i i travertine is pretty versatile the the thing that why makes, is it your favorite yeah the thing that makes it my favorite is that it's gorgeous but um more than it anything it's very cool looking yes the process in which it forms is so much more rapid than any other type of rock that you find Hmm. um it solidifies so much quicker and more rapidly than pretty much any other rock or any other mineral that you can you can find on earth you can literally watch it over the years form in a location Hmm. which is crazy because it's like most rocks take you know hundreds of thousands of years minimally to form Mm -hmm. or they'll take millions of years you know we used to take a trip to hot springs virginia um (laughs) when we were in when i was in school classic yes (laughs) so we went to hot springs and um in hot springs there are um is there travertine there oh i lied to you it was warm springs virginia excuse me oh sorry in warm not hot but warm yeah Yeah. it was warm uh it was not hot Uh, so in warm springs virginia there is a waterfall in this one park that i can't remember the name of i feel like it was like thomas jefferson park though because that's very virginia um and the waterfall the mouth of the waterfall was a hot spring or a warm spring and so what was happening was as the water was traveling down the stream towards the waterfall some travertine was being deposited up there at the top of this the waterfall Mm. and then also at the bottom of the waterfall there was travertine being deposited Hmm. so if you went and hiked down to the bottom of the waterfall you could see it so like in the pool that was below at the bottom of the waterfall you know people are jerks and had left trash in the waterfall so for example um my professor had found a beer can there and the beer can was a type of beer that hasn't been around since like like the 70s or something you know um but crusted on the outside of the beer can was a solid layer of travertine because it had been sitting in this pool where the travertine was being deposited over time after the hot water had Mm. through the process of gravity pulling it down to the to this pool it had cooled really rapidly mm-hmm. and the travertine was depositing it out in the area mm. um so yeah they um he had a beer can in his office that was just crusted with travertine, travertine. and then it, Interesting. And he, it had happened over like you know maybe like a decade or two which in geologic times is absolutely nothing that's yes. incredible Blinking. it's incredible yeah. yeah so that's why i think travertine is aside from it being 
aside from it being a sedimentary rock and it's very versatile and it's used in a lot of different ways and it's not you know super super rare um Mm -hmm. just that it forms so rapidly is fascinating and it's fascinating to be able to watch that and not you know have to wait millions of years to to see it happen (laughs) so yeah that's why that's why charting is my favorite that's legit it you know um I could go on about rocks, well, <laughs> but I could go on. <laughs> but I think uh, I think we've kind of reached, you know, we've reached a good point here where I think we should close yes. out. But before we close, I would like to ask you, the audience, who, you who is listening to this, um, <laughs> if you would be willing to send us any of your favorites, your favorite rocks or minerals. Please tell us your favorite rocks and minerals. Oh, please. Absolutely. We would love to. Or if you have pictures or you, you know, yeah. if you have a story, we would love to hear the story, um, you know. Yes. If, like Ellen had some beautiful. I didn't have any beautiful stories. Ellen had some great stories. <laughs> you told um, us about hiking and beer ca- cans. Yeah, but you were like <laughs> sentimental. Mine was like I found this beer can that someone someone threw not in the garbage where it belongs, but into a but river. Yeah, if it in a river that was <laughs> depositing trout routine. You know, so um, so yeah, you know, we would we would love to hear your feedback. Uh huh. So to do that, you can send us a direct message or tag us on Twitter. Our Twitter is at said my dear pod. So s a d m y d e r d e a r pod. Um, you can message or comment on our Instagram, which is the same, said my dear pod. You can send a message through our website, which is sedimentarymydear.com. Ooh. Or you can send us an email to sedimentarypodcast at gmail.com. So your choice of methods for contact. But yeah, we would love to hear about hear from you about your favorite rocks there, and minerals. There are many methods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are many methods. Your choice. The choice is yours. Uh, that's all we wanted to talk about this episode. I hope everyone joins us next time. What are we going to talk about next time? Well, I don't want to... I don't want to cause the hullabaloo here. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking we might leave this earth and go to space. What? We're space. not going to hit a ride in a comet or anything like that. We're not secretly in a cult, right? That's no, not. Okay, no. no, no. Not the lizard people are not going to take us there, but <laughs> but yeah, I do think I think we I think next episode We want to talk about space? Yes. A lot of times in geologic classes, um, you know, they start on the earth and then they they go up so uh well things think from we'll space a... also come to earth sometimes too so i That's mean true. i think we'll do it yeah. we'll do a quick overview um of and by quick i mean it'll probably take an hour but you know some of the <laughs> some of the basics about geology and space that sounds amazing i'm super excited i also <laughs> always loved space as a child so i'm down and we'll talk about space diamonds <gasps> space diamonds anyway that's all you'll hear for now all right thank you all for listening thank you <laughs> let us know what your favorite rocks and minerals are you can ask us questions and next time we'll talk about space see you later bye the main sources for this episode are mineralogy and optical mineralogy first edition by dyer gunter and tassa and earth an introduction to physical geology ninth edition by tarbuck and luckins Music for its sedimentary, my dear, is provided by Solar Slays. You can find his music at youtube.com slash user slash C-C-F-U-L.